We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mailbag time. Mailbag time. We need like an intro, like a mailbag. Mailbag. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So maybe, maybe Vince. We'll take Vince doing it. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure that Vince out. would be the one to do it. There's no doubt. Yes, he would. Yes, he I want to. I want to start off with this one, Ryan, and and, and I'm, I want to just get into this. John Long, who uh, reached out to us last week and and let us know that his dad was diagnosed with cancer, and so we've been praying for John. And he just said, "Yo, IB Nation, check this out. Just got word that my father's is, cancer is treatable." Thank you so much for your prayers and support, nice. man. That is that is great, great news, John. We will continue to pray for your dad, but man, that is yes, that sir. is awesome, awesome, awesome news. No doubt about it. Great news. Yeah. And thank you for letting thank us you. know. Definitely, thank you for letting us know. We had a super chat from AST twelve three two one. Thank you so much for super chat. As always, do you think Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan is purely a desire to get back to the NFL, or is there? An element of bail of bailing before expected sanctions cripple the program. They will be punished, right? N- number one, I, I don't know that they're going to get. I, there's this assumption that they're going to have these crippling sanctions, and these the same people thinking that are the same people thought thought they were not going to be able to be in play in the postseason. Like I just, I don't think the NCAA has the balls to do what they should do based on what Michigan did, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. So no, I I don't. But look, guys, Jim Harbaugh's been trying to get back to the NFL for three years. Yeah. I, I now could could this have maybe sped up the process? I mean, maybe, but this has always yeah. been something that he wanted to do. And I think the second he won a national title, it cemented the fact that he's gone. I think the only hope that Michigan had of getting him back is if they fell just short, because I think he would have been like, I, I, I just I want to get a championship for my alma mater. The minute they won a title, yeah. if there if there was even any thought of him coming back, it was gone. He has nothing else to prove, yeah. even if he doesn't think those because like. I, I wouldn't be shocked if the NCAA is like, hey, the coach that you know was responsible, they fired this guy, you know, we're gonna move on. It would not shock me if the NCAA did that, as as cowardly as they've been in the last few years. I mean, it is what Michigan did. I mean, you look at what Tennessee did. I mean, just handing bags of cash to players and they got like a slap on the wrist and a you know, so, I mean pretty hefty financial fine, but like nothing that hurt the program. And yep. and because the guys that did it were gone and all this other nonsense, I think that's what they're going to say. The people that were responsible for this are gone, and so sure. we're you know they've suffered their punishment. We're going to give them. We're going to put them on probation, which is like nothing. It just 
can't do anything wrong again, but I, I you know, cause, cause all a lot. And then th- this wasn't the only thing that got Michigan in trouble. They've gotten in trouble three or four times in the last four or five years for, you know, yep. satellite camps for the extra practices. And it was all hardball related. So now that he's gone, I just think they're going to use that to be like, Oh, you know, we're, we're going to give him a slap on the wrist and move on. But I truly think Ryan, I'm not going to say that, that the stuff going on didn't have any say on it, but Jim Harbaugh's desire to get back to the NFL is, is not new. He wants to win. He's a competitor. He's one of the most competitive coaches in the business. Sure. He wants to win on the highest level and he got real close to it. And I promise you that taste has not gotten out of his mouth. You know, he wants to get back there and get another one. His brother's got one. He wants one. Give him the death penalty, baby. Get rid of Michigan. Throw it in the trash. <laughs> Just kidding, obviously. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that you could be right. I mean, it's possible. I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of happens moving forward. I, I just certainly just don't think the NCAA. I mean, the NCAA. I mean, if they come back and they have this harsh judgment, like they may have bungled this thing from the beginning. To be honest, I mean, it's just a, it's been crazy scenario, and we'll we'll see what happens with it. Jim Harbaugh has been flirting with the NFL for a long time. I think that he is an NFL coach at heart. I think he went to Michigan purely because he wanted to go back to his alma mater. I, I don't think there was many other schools that maybe could have even made him come back. I mean, I know he spent time in San Diego and Stanford as he was kind of climbing the ladder, but I really do think that he wants to be in the NFL. And I think that some of his recruiting woes of the last couple of years have also kind of been examples of that, right? Like, I, I just don't know if the college game is where he's necessarily the most excited to be, but obviously he did a really good job at Michigan, but I think that he, is going to be happy to be back. Am I surprised at the timing? No, I, I would have been surprised if it didn't happen at some points because he, that's just clearly what he, his goals are as far as where his coaching career is going to go. So I think it was perfect timing for him. You won a national championship. You brought your alma mater back to relevance. Now you go to the next stage of your career. I don't really think the sanctions have anything to do with it because, I mean, I think it's just – the timing may have been right as well. I think it would have just added to the good timing, but I think that this was probably going to be his last year in Michigan, whether they had sanctions or not. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, 
deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Got two more super chats, Ryan. We're going to stay on the Jim Harbaugh in Michigan Converse or the Michigan conversation with this next one. SW2205 with the the super chat. Thank you so much. If Michigan were to hire externally, do you guys think uh, if they were to hire externally, do you guys think Jeff Brom would be a good fit? Not really. Not not a great one. I mean, I think he's at a. I mean, he's at his alma mater. It's it would take a lot yeah. to take him away from his alma mater. I I don't know that that would be a great fit to me. I don't think Jeff Brom has the personality that's going to keep that roster together. Now, Jeff Brom's shown he can win with not a lot, right? And and he would be able to to have a level of success there. But but I don't know that he has the ceiling that a Lance Leopold or even a Brian Kelly would have because I think to win at Michigan, it it takes a certain type of coach to win at Michigan. We saw that with Rich Rodriguez. We've seen that with other coaches. If Michigan's going to win, it's got to be a blue-collar defense, line play, run the ball type of system. They have the formula. Yeah, yeah. And and I don't know that you can recruit the type of players there consistently to run, you know, what what Jeff Brom would like to run. So, uh, you know, know, I think the world of Jeff Brom as a coach, but I also, Brian, a big believer that fit matters. Fit really matters. And, And I think the fit would make a lot of sense. Yeah, for me. I I think the style just doesn't match overall. It's just kind of how I would phrase it. Like there are some other big time programs that I think Jeff Brown would make a whole lot more sense for as far as the type of football that they wanted to play. Like, I, I mean, I, I know obviously it wasn't the way it would go, but like I could see him at like a Washington, for instance, right? Like stylistically, as far as like how they play and what they're built upon, because they can get athletes there, obviously. Michigan can get some athletes too, but ultimately we have seen the formula. It is offensive line driven. It is defensive line driven and Jeff Brom just like, that's just not how his teams are built necessarily. Like, of course you want a good offensive line. Of course you want a good defensive line, but they are much more skill position oriented. They're a team that is going to create space and maximize athletic skill sets. The Rondell Moores, the David Bells, like that's their style of football. So I just don't think that Jeff Brom stylistically even is a good fit. Iden Benami with the super chat. Thank you so much, Iden. When a kid silent commits about how many people know who was the biggest gap closer in the 2025 class commit or still on our board. Yes. That's up in the air. I mean, silent commits. I, I mean, I mean, yeah, we'll go, we'll go break it down into yeah. two. Go ahead and with the first yeah. one. Right. So when a kid silent commits, how many people know? So obviously they know their family knows and the coaching staff knows, right? I and mean, then, usually and then a lot of the us commits. find out. Yeah. yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. The commits will find out, obviously, from conversations, put them in a group chat, sure. that type of thing. And then, a, a, obviously, a heads up to the Notre Dame media that, like, hey, this kid's going to commit type of thing mm-hmm. usually happens as well. There's not too many that have just kind of completely taken us off guard unless it's, like, a super impulsive one that, you know, we didn't expect to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of where the silence stayed, though, and, you know, usually, you know, some message boards, I guess, occasionally will kind of put that stuff out there. But regardless, it's not it's a pretty close knit group between the program, the staff members, the coaches, 
the player and the families for the most part. And then some media members who just need to tip on like, hey, this player's committing this day at this time and blah, 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 blah. And then uh, who are the biggest gap closer in the 2025 class is the next question there. Well, well, one I've already got on campus. I mean, they've already gotten the class. That's Deuce. I mean, Deuce is a gap closer. Yeah, he's a big gap closer. I I think Ivan Taylor's a big gap closer as well. I mean, (laughs) in in two regards, Ryan. Number one is just his his talent alone. He's a gap closer. But when you consider where the safety position is, it only enhances the type of gap closer that he is. Um, Yep. Offensively, uh, I don't – I mean, again, I'll never include a tight end as a gap closer because, like, there's no gap to close. It's about – yeah. Gap enhancing, <laughs> and James Flanagan to me is that kind of guy. Uh, who on offense, Ryan at receiver? I mean, is there any? I mean, Taylor Taylor, I think, is a gap closer. Yeah, Taylor McCutcheon, I think, is a gap closer. I like Dalen a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. Who Who are some other guys that you would view? I mean, I, I I think the Lex Cyrus kid is is from the standpoint of he gives you something that you don't have. Yes. On top of being a pretty darn good football player. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah. he gives you that. Uh, th- those are the three that really just just on their God given ability or skill. Like I'm a I'm very high on Elijah Burris, very high on Elijah Burris. I don't know that I'd call him a gap closer by himself because his game is right. still evolving and there's some you know. But he can be part of a gap closing receiving class for sure. Right. But right. like just him alone, that's the best guy in your class. Is he? Is it a gap? Uh, you know, not yet. Could it be down the road? I think the kid's got a lot of tools, but it's not there yet. And I'm very high on him. You know, I don't really see Derek Meadows as a gap closer. He's got gap closing potential, but yeah. he's got to catch the ball better and learn how to play the game and all that kind of stuff. Um, I the 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 um, uh, Michael Terry, right? That's his first name. The kid they just offered. Oh, the Texas, Texas kid. Yeah, yeah, he would be. But the question we'll is, what third. position? Uh, oh, the, I'm putting that kid at wide receiver. He, he can play safety, but like play wherever the heck he wants. Yeah, but I'm, you're talking about a six three, two hundred ten pound kid that can run. Yeah, you know he's a wide receiver. He's a wide receiver for me. He can play safety. Yeah. He can play rover if he wanted to. But like he's a he's a wide receiver. Would you would you receiver. would you agree with? I mean, I believe you said he's a, a great. You, you I think I saw you make a post about this on the board, Ryan. That you think he's a, a stud, right? Like he's a. Oh, you would yeah. agree he's a gap closer, right? He's he's a top fifty player in twenty twenty five right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Defensively, yes. Uh, up front, I think I think no, I think uh, Damian Shanklin is a is a gap closer for me because because yeah. playing the viper position and having the upside that he has at the yeah. viper position, a spot that you need to improve yeah. upon moving forward. I would agree. Yeah. Yep. Linebacker to me, Marco Jones, Noah McHale, Nathaniel, Nathaniel Wilson, 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 Wilson. Those yes, are the three yes. that stand out to me. There are other guys that are pretty good players, yep. but not gap closers based on the way that Notre Dame has recruited the linebacker position the last couple of years. Anybody else in that group that you would count as a, I, as Ivan a Taylor, closer? you mentioned uh, linebacker. safety. Um, a lot of good players, but I don't know if there's any uh, uh, gap closers yeah. because of how well they've recruited the position in recent yeah. years. I think that's, yeah, no, I, I think those three linebackers are probably the, the main guys to think about. And then safety position, you already have one in Ivan Taylor. If you're able to get a Jadon Blair, then that's another one. Like that yes. would be great. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Cause we could have a conversation, Ryan, about who's better, Ivan Taylor or Jadon Blair. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and some people will say Ivan, some people say Jadon, but the fact is, is you're having the fact that you're having that conversation. And yeah. then if you did get Jadon Blair and Ethan Long is your third safety, that is a 
Crazy that man. is a Crazy. that's a borderline gap erasing safety class in my opinion, Ryan. It, it, I mean, really I would is. start. I would start to formulate like twenty twenty six season at, at like worst of like, hey man, are we going to start running a four two five with a three safety look more yes. than just a four two five like Rover or nickel? Like I'm yes. putting. I'm putting Ivan Taylor in the nickel and then those two safeties on the back end. Like. And, and one of <laughs> yeah. them has to beat out, has to hopefully have a chance to beat out, not hopefully for their standpoint, not for mine, but you yeah. got Bronte Johnson you got to worry about yeah. in this past year's yeah. class. And then yeah. who's your backup at that? And that if you do change that defense, who's your backup to Ivan Taylor, right? It's this kid named Kennedy Erlacher who you're going to put in there. He's going to lay people out, you know what I mean, yeah. as a depth player. Because that I like Kennedy a lot more than others do, but in a if you're a championship-caliber team – He's your third or fourth safety in an yeah. ideal situation. And and so, and then a cornerback, Dallas Golden is absolutely a gap closing cornerback. And gap, he's a gap closing athlete. Agreed. I would yeah. argue, based on what I've seen, I, I got to watch more of it. I haven't seen a ton. So I'm going to put an asterisk by this. But what I saw from Mark Zachary as a junior, he's in yeah. that conversation. His sophomore film, he showed potential, but he, he was more top 150 ish for me. He was still kind of yeah. more, you know, as a sophomore, I just kind of thought Mark Zachary was just an athlete that was playing football. As a junior, he looked like a football player, and his game yeah. really took off. I mean, and we got to see him against IMG. We got to yeah. see him against some some really good programs. And you're like, yo, this kid, this kid can flat Archbishop out. Archbishop Moeller, man, they smacked yeah. Archbishop Moeller this year. So and, uh, uh, he's he yeah. to me jumped into that gap closing category. And 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 I would call I would throw Devin Williams in there too. I like Devin a little bit more as a nickel, I like a lot, but yeah. I think Devin Williams is a gap closer well, he's as well, a, Ryan. He he's a gap closing nickel at worst, right? Because you yeah. look at him and say, like, you know, you've you've had good nickels over the last couple of years, but like if Devin Williams hits his ceiling as a nickel, it's like that's yes. one of the best nickels in college football. Yes. Like that's yes. different. It's a different you type have of player. Like Micah Bell and then him, and then you I'd feel a yeah. whole lot better about having a, a legit elite cover player. And then to your point, Ryan, you can easily adapt your personnel to then go three safeties against teams that you need to maybe get a little bit more of a run game presence in the alley uh, or not in the alley, but in that force position out there. So it gives you so much flexibility if you can land a kid like that. But, you know, you, yep. you give me here's the deal. You give me Dallas Golden, Mark Zachary or Devin Williams. Give me two of those yep. three. Give me two of those three and give me Jadon Blair to go with Cree Thomas, Ivan Taylor, and Ethan Long, and that is a gap yeah. erasing secondary class, in my opinion. Good. Not gap super closing. Ver- gap it's super erasing. versatile too. Like it's super versatile because and like long. Mark Zachary could play safety if he wanted to. He could definitely play corner. Obviously, he could play wide receiver if he wanted yes. to. Like Mark Zachary is a really good athlete. Jadon Blair could play either safety spot. He can maybe grow into a rover as well down the line with his frame that he has. Like a true rover, right, Ryan? Yeah. Like that that yeah. what the rover was meant to be, which is more of a big, long, rangy safety, yep. not a linebacker that can move in yep. space. But like like the like I think like Thomas Brown and 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 guys like that, that true like yep. you can't throw over that guy. Right. You can't and if and if you wanted more of a safety body type than a rover body type, like Ethan Long could do a lot of stuff with that in the slot. I actually like Ethan Long in the slot a lot. I think he looks yeah. really good in those types of situations. And Ivan, Ivan Taylor, Taylor is a could play nickel guy. if he wanted yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, literally, yeah. Ivan. Exactly. Ta- you know, for, first few big offers Ivan Taylor had was actually as an outside corner before he moved to safety. Yeah. So yeah, in Clark uh, Lee's defense, to me, he's absolutely a a, a corner in, yep. in that defense. Now in this defense, I think he's better as a safety. In yep. my opinion, but if you needed him a corner, okay, I'm fine with that. But yeah, like Mark Zachary, to your point, could play boundary, field, or slot, and he could play yep. to me the boundary safety position. In my opinion, yep. 
I think that Dallas Golden could play field, boundary, or slot, and could also play both safety spots, and could play receiver, and could play running back. I mean, he's that good, right? I mean, he to me, I think I said this to you, Dallas Golden would be the highest-rated running back in this class if he committed to Notre Dame, if he wanted to play running back. Ahead of Justin yeah. Thurman and Daniel Anderson. And yep. and uh, my receiver if you wanted to as well. Exactly. So. <laughs> and then you look at Cree Thomas, who I think could play field. I, I like Cree more right now as a field corner, like in the Cam yes. Hart mold, Ryan, than I do as the as a boundary guy. But Cree could also go play safety. And he could be sort yes. of that longer, bigger body type in the nickel as well, if you wanted to get to more of a true five DB type of situation. And then of course we talked about the safeties already, Ryan. So you talk about length speed and versatility you're adding a ton of that to your secondary that's i don't know that notre dame could ever have a better db class than that i mean it is that good because you and i have both said that we think dallas golden's a top 50 player yep. you've said you think uh jadon blair is a top 50 player i have him yes. and ivan taylor's top 100 guys just on the border of top 50 grades mm -hmm. and i think Cree thomas is a top 150 guy and i have ethan long is a top 150 guy yeah i mean that that's I mean that's that's a your five and six guys are top one fifty guys, that's mm -hmm. a heck of a class, Ryan. I mean I I, I don't know that you can get much better than that. So yeah. th there's actually a lot more gap closers on the board than I thought when I first read the question. Yeah, to be honest with you, there is. Yeah, yep, there is. Because you're, you're an offensive guy, man. Your mind goes to offense. <laughs> guys on the board. Well, yeah. even on defense, I was kind of like, you know, they're kind of close to being done. You know, that was kind of my they first are. my first thought. But then you start thinking through the board, you're like, I have some freaking dudes Four, on the board, left, four, man. Fourteen commits in January is a wild number. Yeah, that's a pretty outrageous. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it really is. All right, so that we have one more super chat from Charlie Weiss's last bell loop. He says Dallas Golden, big time dude. Charlie, no thank you for the super chat, man. But you nailed that one buddy absolutely nailed that one we had Ida Minami with another one who would ohio state get two quarterback wait why would ohio state get two quarterbacks in the same class doesn't make sense to me well it does when you think the guy that you landed is better than the guy that you already had i mean that yes. that's kind of what it boils down to and i and i think they want to up their their you know competition i i, I would say it like this as well is that although this sounds kind of I don't say mean. It means not the right word, but like insensitive, maybe because I, I honestly do feel a little bad for Aaron Nolan because like he was in the class for a pretty long yes. time and he helped establish that class and the, and get some of the big time dudes they had. I mean, obviously he's the quarterback of the group, but I, I think that Ohio State's in a situation where whoever is the best one will stick and the other one's going to hit the transfer portal. I think there's an acceptance to like you're not going to hold on to both of those kids long term. Like it's very unlikely that three years from now. Julian Sane and Aaron Nolan are both on Ohio State. Very, very unlikely. I think it's a situation where you got a player that you thought is a really good player that you didn't think you were going to get, and the best one is going to survive, and the other one's going to transfer at some point. I mean, right. I think that's an acceptance thing. So, I'm curious how this is going to impact their recruiting efforts moving forward. If Aaron Nolan does leave, it, it you know it, it may not have any impact. It may, it may. We'll see how it plays out. But um, I. I I think the way they did it was kind of crappy, but I also understand it. You had a chance yeah. to up your room. You had a chance to land a quarterback, in my opinion, that has more talent than anybody you have on your roster. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, it's that kind of. And, and look, here's the thing: people can complain about it all they want, but coaches have to do this now. You have to do yeah. this now, because for yeah. all you know, if Aaron Nolan goes out and has a great year next year, for all you know, he may jump in the portal and look for a bigger payday. I mean, you, you, 
You have no clue now. You have to just keep loading up your roster or, because of the or, way that or, this process is. Or Will Howard doesn't have a great year and Aaron Nolan's super salty on the bench. Like, dude, I'm better than that, dude. And then he's right. like, I'm out of here. Like, I'm done Yeah, with exactly. Stuff. Exactly. Exactly. You're yeah. going to have to keep doing that because of how easily players can leave. Coaches have, hey, look, how do I know that these kids are going to stay? I had a chance to go uh, build, make my room better. I'm going to take advantage of yeah. it. And, and, and I also just for like the number side of it as well, like I would be surprised. I, I don't know this for certain, but because, you know, Will Howard's going to be the starting quarterback. I'd be surprised if Devin Brown sticks around that much longer. I mean, I, I honestly, because yeah. he's been he's been kind of passed over by two other quarterbacks the last two years. I mean, he was in the conversation with Kyle McCord in the quarterback battle last year. And then you bring in a graduate transfer the next year. It's like, obviously, I don't think the staff believes in him that much. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and and I've yeah, I'm, you know, I've never been very high on Devin Brown, and I just didn't see the fit. He needs to be more of like a a, a spreadish type of system that I don't think really fits what Ohio State does. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We had T-Guns. What's up, Tommy? Bob, next year head... Oh, wait. B-O-B. Bill O'Brien, next year head coach at Ohio State should... They not screw it up this year and go to the NFL next year. I mean, you you could see two scenarios in which Ohio State's going to need a new head coach next year. I mean, number one is if Ohio State's not better next year, I could see them. You got new AD. Hey, look, man, we just went out and paid. You know, and you got all these boosters. They 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 look, Ryan. The supporters at at Ohio State just spent a lot of money to make this roster, but to keep guys, number one, not just the portal guys, yep. but to keep guys from going to the NFL. You know, look, Denzel yep. Burke and JT and Jack Sawyer, Mecca, those guys got a payday to stay at Ohio State. And you just went out and spent a lot of money to make them, to, to keep them competitive. So yeah, if they don't play better next year, I mean, I could see that happen where they let them go. And then if Ryan Day does well next year and he leaves, you're talking about Bill O'Brien being next, next head coach of Ohio State. As someone who doesn't like the Ohio State program, I would love that because I think Bill O'Brien's a very mediocre coach. I think he's a he's a jerk. Uh, he does not treat people well, and I think he'd be an abs- a colossal failure as a head coach. Uh, absolutely, I, I'd 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 be shocked if Bill O'Brien was that guy, though. Shocked. Um, I just I just don't. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I could say because he's such a jerk, but I think Ryan Day's a jerk, and he got that coaching job, so. You know, it depends if if Day gets let go because he doesn't succeed. I don't see them hiring, keeping somebody on staff as that next guy. If Day leaves because they go out and, you know, play for a championship this year, win a championship, then Ohio State may get into a situation where they want to have some continuity. And who's the guy? Is not Jim Knowles. Is it Brian Hartline? I mean, Bill O'Brien's been a head coach in the NFL, and he's been a head coach in the Big Ten. I mean, it would make some sense, although I think it would be just a terrible, terrible hire, in my opinion. Very terrible hire. And and I don't see Marcus Freeman going to hire. I know Notre Dame fans are petrified of that, but I just I just don't see it. And and look, you can say you can mention Luke Fickle's name all you want down there, but Luke Fickle's not 
I would be shocked if they hire Luke Fickle. Let's not forget, he was a head coach for a year at Ohio State and it did not go well. He's not a dynamic personality. He's not a dynamic coach. He better win big at Wisconsin to even be able to sniff Ohio State. Maybe Mike Vrabel, but I, you know, I again, I, I think I, I I don't think they'll do it, but I think to just dismiss the fact that they may look at him if things go well, Bill O'Brien, I I think would would be an error. But I just think I'd be shocked if that's the ultimate pick that they go with. Got a, another question from Iden Banami. Can a defensive end be too tall? Yeah, he can. I mean, it, it'd have to be really tall. But it's not so much about height. It's about what leverage you can play at at that height. I mean, there's six, seven guys that are just too tall because of the lever- the lack of leverage that they play with. There's other guys that are, I mean, Eric Armstead's like, isn't he like 6'8"? I think he's like 6'8". He's a pretty tall guy, and he's a, he was a pretty darn good player in college and and a, and a guy that uh, I, I believe has done well in the NFL. I, I haven't, like, again, y'all know I don't really pay attention to the NFL, but I thought I saw something recently where I, I thought I saw Eric Armstead was having a, a, a pretty good year for the Niners. I'll have to go look and see what his stats are. Yeah, he's got 33 and a half sacks in his career. Uh, let's see here. Oh, NFL.com is the worst site. Let's go to uh, Pro Football Reference. So it looks like this year – Where's his numbers? This year he played in 12 games and had five sacks, so he was a little banged up, had uh, six in his last healthy year. So it doesn't look like he has produced quite as much. A lot of hits in the quarterback. Uh, let's see here. So maybe he hasn't been as good as I thought he was, but he had uh, who's, 10 who's sacks that? in 2018. Eric Armstead. We're talking about tall linemen, some guys that are tall that have success. And my yeah. my answer was, I don't – I mean, you can – if you're seven feet tall, you, you I don't think you play football, but it's more about – you could be six five and play too tall. You could be six nine and play with good leverage and not be too tall. It sure. just depends on how how you play the game. And and there's there's examples of six seven, six eight guys. I think John Henderson was about six eight, if I remember correctly. Well, he was a D tackle um, though, John Henderson. Right. right. Even yep. even more so because yep. you're you've got to even more so play with leverage. But there's been there's been plenty of linemen that have been six eight that have been been able to play it's about the pad level you play with i've seen guys that are six three that play with terrible pad level and they just constantly get beat at the point of attack yeah so that's more of of uh of what it is than, than pad, anything else. The, i think the height also matters less on the edge a little bit i mean because some guys so, so many guys work from like two-point stances nowadays where it's just mm-hmm. like they're not getting contacted super early on in reps like a defensive tackle is for instance you know like they're not facing double teams as often as a the, a defensive tackle is in theory, right? So, I mean, you've seen some taller defensive ends like Gregory Rousseau is pretty dang tall. Like six, seven, right? pretty, yeah, he's like almost six, right around six foot seven. Calais Campbell's like six eight. He's a taller guy. I mean, you've seen those guys and they're successful because, I mean, like Calais mm-hmm. Campbell always played pretty tall. Like he was never a, a great, you know, low, low leverage player, but he's a defensive he's end. It doesn't matter. He's listed at six eight, two eighty five. Basically, yep. and he's been listed at 300 at different times in his career as well. So, yep. yeah, it's a big boy. We had DJ. Does Michigan really have a choice but Sharon Moore? I also noticed BK got his name floated out there. Probably hit LSU for a raise. Oh, that's all that was about. I mean, look, Ryan, I'd be shocked if LSU looked at Brian Kelly seriously. I mean, sure. Michigan, excuse me, Michigan looked at Brian Kelly seriously. I just. LSU doesn't look at him seriously either. So, you know, uh, yeah. fans. just kidding. <laughs> I that was I mean that guys that was what Brian Kelly's done his whole career. That's what his agent has done for him his whole career. 
every time there's a potential big job out there, NFL or whatever, oh, Brian Kelly's looking at this. Brian Kelly, that that's Brian Kelly. I mean, would would Brian Kelly take the Michigan job if he was offered it? I think so, if they offered him enough. Because yep. I don't think he likes it at LSU. I don't think Michigan would have a lot of interest in Brian Kelly. But do they have a choice? But Sharon Moore, of course they have a choice. Yeah, why wouldn't it, they have a choice? Not, they just yeah, won a national not, championship. They yeah. can choose whatever the hell they want. Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I just think it makes the most sense. Because even though there's some guys out there, Ryan, that I think are really good football coaches, like, yep. like a Lance Leopold, I just don't know that there's that sexy – like, like I think, like I said, like a, a Dan Lanning, maybe he can keep a lot of those kids there at Alabama. Maybe Steve, I think Steve Sarkeesian definitely could have kept a lot of those kids there at Bama. There's not that kind of sexy pick. I mean, like if, if they hired Matt Rule, who I think is a really good football coach, is Matt Rule that that sexy name that's going to no. keep all the Michigan kids? No, he's not. No. I don't. Brian Kelly would probably have the best chance of that, and I think he even loses some guys. But sure. I just look, I, I get it. And somebody's like, you know, he's. 37 years old. He's never been a head coach. It means he's older than what Marcus Freeman was when he got hired as Notre Dame's head coach. Yep. And the track record speaks for it. So, I mean, his resume right now is better than what Marcus Freeman's was because he is a was an OC on a team that won a national championship. At the end of the day, Ryan, if you got the chops, you got the chops. And I don't know that Sharon Moore does. I haven't followed his career enough, but I, as I'll say again, I doubted him being promoted to a job I didn't think he had the resume for once. And I look terrible for that criticism of like why is that your o-line coach and the guys what all he's done is win two joe moore awards in three years and the (laughs) year that they didn't win a joe moore award they won a national championship so i will not be doubting sharon Moore anymore when it comes to his his preparedness for a job it's a pretty good coach man pretty good coach yeah i'm i got this one ryan because this is going to be for you are you surprised that Derek Meadows hasn't been hasn't? This is from Brandon Plesner. Thanks, Brandon. Have, are you surprised that Derek Meadows hasn't received an offer from Bama yet? With the coaching change, the staff has been able to reach out to Deuce and reoffer, but not Meadows. Am I surprised? I mean, I'll say this, Brandon: the pool that you can have at Alabama is a little bit different than the pool you can have at Washington, right? You reoffer Deuce, who was already offered by Alabama. Because you can pull potentially a deuce. Not saying that that's going to happen. I'm just right. in theory, like from you would a have a better state. chance with deuce than Washington would have with a deuce night, for instance. Mm-hmm. So maybe, and this is just hypothetical, maybe Kalen DeBoer and that team went over there and was like, I like that wide receiver board a lot more than what our wide receiver board was at Washington because we can kind of pull from a few different players that maybe we weren't able to pull from at Washington, unfortunately. So would I be shocked? If Derek Meadows got a offer at some point by Alabama, no, not necessarily, because I do think that he had a relationship, obviously, and he was, you know, Washington was in a good spot with him. But it might be as simple as Kalen DeBoer likes what his wide receiver board is at Alabama right now. He likes the guys that they've offered, and he is like, man, I could pull maybe a little bit more from the SEC, from the Southeastern squadrant than I was able to at Washington, obviously. So, yeah, I think that, that that's kind of my reasoning for why I'm not super surprised that he hasn't been offered yet. It doesn't mean that he won't be. I think it's a re a reevaluation of the board. And I also think a lot of their emphasis right now at receiver is on was on getting Ryan Williams in the class. That that yep. was a huge part of it, uh, to get him in the class. Now that he is, they can reassess the board. Because what you do if you miss out on Ryan Williams is going to be a lot different than now that you've got him. And and so I mean, I could see them going after. But look, I, I think Washington, I think the this staff, if I had to guess sees the same thing that I see in, in in Derek Meadows, which is this is a very physically gifted player. I mean, very physically gifted. 
but also a guy that's needs a lot of work. Yeah. And, and um, do you need a guy like that at Bama? Maybe, but I think they want to kind of reassess the board first. Like, look, how long did it take Mike Brown to offer Lex Cyrus and Michael Terry and Elijah Burris, right? There, it's a, there's a process of evaluation, uh, evaluating your bo- current board, your current roster. You've got to learn, you know what I mean? Where Deuce Knight, it's one quarterback. You know what he can do. He's a talented, athletic, left-handed, tall, left-handed quarterback. Kind of fits a stereotype that uh, Washington's had some pretty, the staff has had some pretty good success with the last couple of years, right? Yeah. It's a player. And I mean, what's the, what's the comp that people usually make for Deuce Knight? Sometimes, you know, in some areas, I agree with it to a certain degree. It's, it's Michael Penix, right? The guy that they coached. So, I mean, that's an easy one. And he's from a bordering state. Yeah. And the other part too, Ryan, is, you know, Deuce is already committed to Notre Dame. If you're going to have any chance of flipping him, you got to get on him now. You can't wait two yeah. weeks to offer him. Derek Meadows, they could wait two weeks, a month yeah. on, offer him, and maybe get him the next day. You know what I mean? Like that. There's just a difference. They're Bama now. It's a little bit of a different animal than what yeah. it was when they were Washington, in my Agreed. opinion. So I would I would take my time with it. Uh, he, the, he's the a talented kid, but there's some kids that that I just think are better that they could they could pull from. And I just don't like the comparison with the uh, Deuce Knight thing because Deuce Knight was already on the Alabama board. You're just reevaluating the players that are on the board. I mean, like every one of those players, if they like them and they want to keep them on the board, are going to be reoffered. Like that's just He's also the, an elite the player scenario. Yeah, and Derek Meadows isn't yet. Yeah, could be. And I, I mean, I mean, if I'm Alabama right now, I mean, you mentioned Ryan Williams, but I mean, they had another really good wide receiver that was already committed in the staff. If I'm Kalen DeBoer, I mean, my Time is going to be spent into a little bit of uh, Jamie French right now as well. You know what I mean? So who was previously committed to Alabama. So we had Irish blooded with the question. If you are the Miami AD, do you try to work with the NCAA to let them know you will clean house if they will reduce the potential charges to get you to, to help get a new head coach or just offer money for who will come? I don't, I don't, I don't think, I mean, I think Michigan thinks this is done. I mean, everything about what well, I, said, how they, I, I said, Miami by accident, Michigan. Yeah, yeah, I know what yeah. you mean. Yeah. I, yeah, I think Michigan thinks it's done the way that they've talked yeah. and the things that they're doing. I don't think they think there's going to be anything else that comes from it. So so I, yeah. I don't I don't think that they're worried about the NCAA, to be honest with you. And so. Uh, I wouldn't look, be worried about the NCAA either. I would. Yeah, either. I, it would be like the last thing on my mind right now. Yeah. I would just hire the guy you want. It's like like somebody in the chat said, you know, if they don't hire Sharon Moore, they're gonna they're gonna feel heat from the Black Student Association. I'm like, guys, none of this stuff should matter into who they hire. If they think Sharon Moore is the best guy for the job, that's why they hire him. That's the only reason yeah. you hire him. If they think somebody else is, then go get somebody else. But I think you yeah. kind of d- diminish the hire of Sharon Moore, if this is the route they go by putting all these other things on it, well, they can't get a big name because no guys, if they hired Sharon Moore, it's for one reason and one reason only they think he can keep this thing rolling. That's it. And they think he's ready for this job. That's it. They may be right. They may be wrong. Just like Notre Dame may be right or wrong for hiring Marcus Freeman and Alabama may be right or wrong about hiring Kevin DeBoer. We'll find out. But the only reason you make these hires is because you think he's the best guy for the job. And then you handle whatever stuff comes your way because of it. Right. So yep. if the NCAA, if the NCAA comes calling, then Michigan deals with it, you know, but you've got your coach in place that yep. that's what you do. And, and let's be also about something else. I personally think if the NCAA did come down on Michigan, it would actually make this is something a lot of people don't agree with, Ryan. I think it makes Michigan an even a more attractive job. And here's what if I mean what? by that. 
it makes Michigan an even more attractive job because again, you're replacing a, 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 a an alum who's a legend there. If if the NCAA comes down on Michigan, I think it makes it a more attractive job. And here's why. Because okay. I think if you look at it right now, you're having to replace an alum who just won a national championship. The bar sure. is set really high. And if you just come in and there's nothing that happens, that's the bar. Whereas if the NCAA comes in and kind of puts the hammer down a little bit on them, you lose five scholarships, you get fined. Now all of a sudden it's like, well, that you know, they have to do this and they have to do that. And 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 the the bar's been lowered a little bit. Just I mean, James Franklin to this day is still getting a pass for what he inherited at Penn State, despite the fact Bill O'Brien had already been there for three years and got them through the, the, the sanctions, James Franklin still gets a pass because, well, look what he took over. That was a, over a decade ago. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Whereas if Mich- you're, if there are no sanctions, the expectation is, dude, they won a title. You've dominated the Big Ten. You're supposed to go dominate the Big Ten. And that's why I think it could make it a more attractive job for an outsider. Because if you're an outsider, it's not a lot different than replacing Nick Saban. Like, do I want to be the guy that replaces Jim Harbaugh there? No, I do not. Just like I don't want to be the guy that replaces Jim Trestle at Ohio State. I got no problem replacing Luke Fickle. You know what I mean? I got no problem replacing, uh, what was his name? The guy at Florida. Ron Zook. Got no problem replacing him. I do not want to replace Steve Spurrier. And so I yeah. think that could actually make it a little easier because you've you've kind of got this de facto – Lord Barr, because of what the NCAA would do, it give it would give them excuse to not repeat and keep dominating. In my opinion, sure. it would give them a, it would give them an excuse to hey, we have to be, rebuild the roster now because the NCAA sanctions mean we lost this guy, we lost all these guys, we got to rebuild now. And there's a little bit more grace. Whereas if you come in right now and there's not no, no sanctions, you're going to be expected to go out there and be a title contender once again. In my opinion. Yeah, I mean, but I think the lowering of expectations from an outside perspective, because if I'm thinking about a head coach coming in, it makes it a less attractive destination for people coming in as well outside of it. And what I mean, wouldn't that make it more likely that the bottom could bottom out a little bit no, easier? Because I mean, Michigan. I mean, I mean, I get what you're saying, Ryan. It's like it's it, it's a it's a le- but that's never been that's never that wasn't true at Miami. It wasn't true at Penn State. I mean, it's still Michigan. I mean, it also wasn't true at Nebraska for a long time either, though. Yeah. And then the bottom fell out, and it was now it's not Nebraska anymore. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but like, that's I, because I, they didn't make good hires, right? Like well, we're assuming if Michigan, a good hire here. if Michigan yeah. made a good hire, right? If if it was a good coach, right? That's my whole thing. Is if you're a good coach and you think you can win there, I mean, look, Michigan replaced Lloyd Carr with Rich Rodriguez, and it was a colossal failure and then they replace him with brady hoke and that was also a col- so even yeah. if there's nothing wrong with your program no sanction or anything if you make a bad hire you're gonna you're gonna bottom out what i'm saying is is looking at it from a, from an outside coach's standpoint you know what i mean like hey there's gonna be less pressure on me to keep winning right now if i were to take that job it's gonna give me a little bit of a buffer zone is what i think i i, I guess it's perception i mean i yeah. I, I i as That's a potential exactly candidate right. would what kind yeah. of want a healthier program, but I guess I could see why some people would think that yeah. way. Yeah. Because it's, it's again, and, and would that be true at Michigan state? No, because Michigan state's not Michigan, right? Yeah. There's certain programs that just like, look, if I go win there one year, we're going to be able to get this thing back, back on track. That's kind of yeah. the way I look at it. But at the end of the day, I just think it makes the most sense to hire Sharon more. I think he's Agreed. put in the work for the same reason. I think it made sense for Notre Dame to hire Marcus Freeman. You can go, you know, take your chance with a Lance Leopold, or you can recycle Brian Kelly for his, however many head coaching jobs he's had, but you've got this young coach in an arrow. See, cause here's the thing too, guys like Dan Lanning and Marcus Freeman and, and certain, some of these coaches that have kind of come in and, 
in early on had success. They've made it now to where it's like, well, look what Marcus Freeman's doing at Notre Dame. I mean, he's recruiting really well. Dan Lanning's killing it at Georgia. They're all 30-somethings. They got hired as head coaches that have won. Oregon. Right, yep. Oregon, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, so well I think, you, said Dan, you said Dan Lanning at Georgia. I was just saying. Uh, from Oregon. Georgia. Yeah. I meant yeah. Oregon. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Yeah. I was like, yeah, Oregon. Yeah, yeah I, I said that, right? Nope, didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Dan Lanning at Oregon, the job he's done, the job yep. Marcus Freeman has done to a degree at, at, at Notre Dame, and then you look at some of these other coaches, I mean, Dabo Sweeney, because like Dabo and was kind of the anomaly for a while. Yeah. And and now you've got more of these 30-somethings taking over jobs and winning to a degree, recruiting at a high level. So I think that's kind of made it to where it's it gives Michigan maybe more confidence that, hey, this guy can step into a big-time program and be that guy because he's been here. He's been here longer than Marcus Freeman was at Michigan because he was – He's been the O-line coach for three years, the O.C. for two years, but he was there for a couple years before then, right? I mean, he's been in Michigan for a yep. little bit. Yep. And I just think it makes sense. I mean, would I be would I hammer them if they hired Lance Leopold? Absolutely not. I mean, I, yeah. that'd actually be kind of bold. You know, you are turning down the guy be. that everybody wants, but I think it just yep. makes the most sense, and I think Sharon Moore's earned it. Forget all the other yep. nonsense about why they should hire him. They're, they're going to feel pressure from them. I don't give a crap about any of that. You hire yeah. him if you think he's the best coach for the job. And I think right now, with all the circumstances, is he as proven as Lance Leopold? No, he is not. But no. that doesn't mean he's not the right guy for the Luke Fickle is far more proven than Mike Marcus Freeman was. And I still felt Marcus Freeman was the right guy for the job for no other yep. reason than I think he was the best guy for the job. Same thing with Sharon Moore. You can go with the proven candidate or you can take a chance. And that look, Ryan, there's always risk. Yeah, there's no there's no guarantee Lance Leopold can do at Michigan what he's done at Kansas and Buffalo and Wisconsin Whitewater. No. There's 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 none. Because no. Rich no. Rodriguez did a great job at West Virginia and yeah. was a failure at Michigan. There's yeah. no there's no guarantee that Brian Kelly can do at Michigan what he did at LSU or or, or Notre Dame or Cincinnati. It's a different animal. And and to me, this guy, you know he can coach here, you know, he fits what we do. People on campus know him. There's a lot of respect for him. You can keep your roster together, and he's he's put in the work. I just I think yeah. it just makes too much sense. It it, it just yeah. makes too much sense to not to to hire him. Yeah, it just makes too much sense to me. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the Leopold one would be a sexy hire for anyone either. I don't think they would look at that and be like, because yes, I think he's a very good coach, but like our recruits and the players, they're gonna be like Lance Leopold. Like I I don't I don't think that that would have that vibe. And are the are the Wolverine fans going to be like Lance Leopold? No, football people are going to so. respect the heck out of Lance Leopold. Yes, but they're not. They're not donors. They're yep. not the casual fan. They're not recruits. They're not the current team. I think you nailed it, Ryan. It's not yep. a sexy hire. I think he would do a. I think he would do a great job there. I, I think but, his floor but, would be substantially high. But, yes, right? but I, I just there's, don't know if there's still know if risk have, like, though. An appeal, but yeah. that's my point. There's risk there. You're you're on the same. There's risk there. So what yep. makes that risk any different than the risk with Sharon Moore? I, I don't think there is. He's yep. proven, yes, but can he win in Michigan? We have seen proven coaches come to Michigan and not win. Yep. Right? I mean, Rich Rodriguez yep. turned down Bama and then got the Michigan job, right? I mean, he was a huge name when he got hired at yes. Michigan. And he failed. Why? Bad fit. Yep. Terrible fit. And, and uh, you know, I just think Sharon, just, he's blue collar. I mean, they're – everything about him screams Michigan. And this is a program that more than any other school that I've ever seen values that whole Michigan man thing, right? Mm -hmm. 
It's, I mean, when, when Bo left, who'd they replace him with? Gary Moeller, who was a coach at Michigan. When he left, they replaced him with Lloyd Carr, who was at Michigan, right? And then they, you know, who, who's the guy that brought him back? A Michigan man, right? A guy that played yeah. at Michigan. So, you know, Sharon Moore didn't play at Michigan, but he's been there. He's put in the work and he was part of a lot of success. I mean, the guy's been there since 2018. So he was part of that 18 team that was really good. He was part of the 21, 22, and 23 run that they made. It just it makes too much sense, in my opinion. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.